0: title of my message this morning is Rooted in Christ, Planted in Family, and Fruitful in Life. Rooted in Christ, Planted in Family, and Fruitful in Life. Uh, we had a wonderful time yesterday. Some of us got together, some of the leaders, the elders, and a couple of other people got together just to pray, talk about the year, and see what God had in store for us. And it was an incredibly encouraging time. And so we really do feel absolutely confident in God for the year and what He wants to move us into. And I really trust something of what I shared this morning would encourage you as well as a church. So rooted in Christ, planted in family, fruitful in life. And uh, most of what I'm going to share is going to be out of Jeremiah chapter 1. And so if you'd like to just keep your Bible open, open there, we're going to make reference to it as we go along. A friend of ours, Heinz Schreider, sent me an email Uh, on Friday night just with a prophetic word for the church and he said this he said I've been praying for you and the meetings and processes that you're involved in and felt to share a word with you that God gave to me you have led people up a mountain and they all share their stories of the journey but now you've reached the top it was an incredible journey your people are looking at you as it seems to be the end of the climbing but then you attach yourself to heaven and heaven attaches to you. As that happens, God starts to lift the whole mountain with everyone on it, heavenward. It speaks of the end of one journey, humanly speaking, but the beginning of another, more impossible journey. Isn't that very encouraging to you? A sense of God coming down and taking us to a whole new level of what He wants in Him. It's a wonderful, wonderful prophetic picture. It is a new season for us. We've been speaking about that for a while. It's a whole new era that God is moving us into. And looking back over the last number of years, it does seem that we have climbed high. And the reality of looking forward right now, that's where we are. We are at this place of looking forward to what is coming next. And the thrilling thing is that as we are reminded of the past and looking forward to the future it's God that's moving us forward Uh, and as we attach ourselves to him he moves us heavenward and he takes us on another extraordinary journey and I'm so grateful for the last eight years but I'm so looking forward to the next eight years and so as I said as we met yesterday with elders with, uh, with the eldership team and others to talk and pray we've all felt this overwhelming peace, and sense that God is leading us forward. And there's such an extensive uh, sense of expectation that God is speaking to us clearly. And I trust that I have some of the pieces of the puzzle this morning to share with you. Uh, And as we move forward in the months ahead, God is going to reveal more and more to us. But can we then read Jeremiah chapter 1, please, as a basis for what I'm going to say this morning? I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says in chapter 1, the word of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were at Anoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehokim, the son of jo- Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Z- Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Gee, all the names. I'm so glad you don't call your children those names. But anyway, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then I said, "Ah, oh, Lord God, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a, a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I've set you over nations and over kingdoms to uproot and break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I am watching over my word to fulfill it. And i just like to start at that verse 10, I think it is. Yes. To uproot and tear down in order to build and to plant. And one of the key things that we feel going into the future that God has been encouraging us for this new season with this eight-year history that we have, is that God has been good to us, all right? God has been good to us. We have climbed something of the climbing of the mountain, but He wants to take us on a new journey in the next eight years, the next 16 years, whatever it is. He wants to take us on a, on a, a journey, and He wants us to take into the future what is good from our history He wants us to take the good things of our history into our future. And at the same time, He wants us to leave behind that from our past, which is unhelpful to build into the new season. I really feel it's both of those things. And so it's time to uproot some things. And at the same time, to root deeper into the good things that God has done so that we can move into the fullness of the future that God has for us. And so there is a sense that in order to build and to plant, we have to tear down and uproot at the same time some things. So we want to be part of that process that God is encouraging us in. To tear down some things, to uproot some things, but those things that are good things, to root those things even deeper so that we can move into the fullness of what God has for us as a church. So what things then do we need to uproot? And these are not exhaustive or inclusive of everything, but I just feel a couple of key things to suggest to you this morning. Ephesians 6 verse 10 is a wonderful, wonderful uh, encouragement. It says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there's that Paul writing to the Ephesian church, Ephesians church, encouraging them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the first verse, he says this, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I might not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. We destroy every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive to obey Christ. My friends, there are some things that I feel we need to allow the Holy Spirit in us to tear down in our thinking, to uproot so we can move forward into the new thing that God has for us. Can I suggest some things that need to come down? In terms of our culture, materialism. Materialism. There's an unrelenting pressure, I don't know, I'm sure, you feel it too. There's an unrelenting pressure upon us that the culture in which we live to accumulate more of everything. <laughs> so we constantly are being bombarded by the media to, that tells us, as the Spice girl sang, what's it, what do you want, what do you really, really want, what do you really, really want? Remember that song, the Spice Girls sang that? It's true, yeah? Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I can't do it as well as them, but anyway. And there's this overwhelming just mantra that the culture sings over and over and over again, the steady focus of accumulating things, and it begins to, begins to dull our sensitivity on God's desire for us. As Nick so wonderfully brought with that prophetic word. God wants us to seek Him, Jesus wants a love affair with us, the primary thing He wants, a divine romance with us. And I love Colossians 3 verse 2, which says this, Set your heart on things above, not things on this earth. And I want to encourage you in this new season, I believe that God is going to supply our daily bread. He promises that. He's going to supply our daily bread, our daily provision, but He wants us to have... Enough to be a blessing to others, but he wants us to live free of the power of materialism of our lives. It's part of the new thing that God wants us to move into. Secondly, I feel pragmatism is something that God wants to uproot in us. Pragmatism, and part of the new season that God spoke months ago, and when we I, I shared with you when we came back from holiday, we felt God spoke some things clearly us in, in, in terms of what He wanted us to move into. Part of this new thing is walking with our ears close to the ground in order to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And I feel like God is saying that He wants us to constantly resist the temptation just to respond by what we can think, by what we can initiate, by what we can understand, what we can feel, what we can imagine without giving moments of and not just moments, but concerted time to Him in prayer to see what He really wants. And that for me is something of the struggle of my own life, because I like to make a plan. And I felt God say to me in the last while, just take your hands off some things and just wait, and just listen. I want to speak, and I'm trying to say, God, over my ears. I want to hear. I want to hear what you have. And the temptation not to move into the new thing that God has for us just because the old has worked and it's been good. And as we are those that are born again and Spirit-led, who want to walk by the Spirit, I want to ask this morning how much of that statement really is true that we walk by the Spirit. And we need to say, God, help me more and more in my life to walk daily with my ear, listening, open. What do you want to say this morning? Who do you want me to phone? Who do you want me to visit, what do you want me to do Lord I just want to hear what you have for me this morning how much of our lives are directed by what the spirit is saying to the church I'm so glad that God chose me and God chose you and that he's appointed us to bear fruit, isn't that wonderful he's appointed us to be fruitful And whatever we ask, the Father, in His name, He will give to us. And the Scripture goes on to say, These things I command you so that you will love one another. Our fruitfulness in our lives comes out of our friendship and intimacy with Him, the lover of our souls. Galatians 4. Uh, Have I got my notes in the right? You know what? tearing up the notes, because they are just notes. Okay. Pragmatism come down. Thirdly, intellectualism. Intellectualism needs to come down. I believe in reading. I believe in getting a good education. I think we should encourage that at all opportunity. I believe in educating yourself ongoingly. We need to be those that are readers if we're going to unlock something of what God has for us. Hungry for what God wants to Uh, help us understand. Absolutely. But it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake that we are after. And uh, Michael Eaton is coming in the next uh, couple of months and he said this. He said, knowledge is not our salvation. (laughs) Knowledge is not our salvation. If it were, why would the award-winning professor have one too many drinks in the pub and go home and beat his wife? Where did knowledge get Nietzsche? How did Clinton's brilliant intellect further his morality? And he gives some other examples. Did Solomon's unparalleled understanding protect him from idols? Where did Jeff Skilling's genius in Enron, that's the company, uh, help him, or the company? (laughs) Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Skill and brilliance will give you wealth, privilege and a public name in an earthly kingdom, but it's our private life that is the eternal hinge for us now we ought to study to know God and be transformed by that knowledge it's that in that knowledge should not empower us godly knowledge knowledge produces humility and spiritual fruit on the branch earthly knowledge covers the tree in pride and produces glass baubles like a Christmas tree it's our private life that's the internal hinge. And then thirdly, fourthly, I think that's something that God has been speaking to us as an eldership team about moving into the new, is that we have to undo something of our understanding of wine skin, the way we do church. You see, God wants to get, always wants to get the wine to the people. That's what He wants. He wants to get the Holy Spirit to the people. He wants the church and the way that the church operates to facilitate that and not to hinder that. The whole point is that the one can get to the people. And as God brings greater revelation to us, we need to be flexible enough to change and facilitate the Holy Spirit getting to the people. And these things are not cosmetics, they're not just things that we're trying to change for the sake of change. They are essential for growth, and they are essential for the health of the church, and for the future of the church. And that's why we believe we need to change. And some of the areas that I want to suggest to you that God wants to change in this new season for us to grow in are as follows. One, our understanding of what it means to be an autonomous local church. And I can't share too much this morning, but over the next months, we want to unpack some of these things and talk them through with the leaders and with you as the congregation. What do we really understand about being an autonomous local church? Secondly, how do we work with outside ministry? Uh, With the apostolic? How do we work with apostolic ministry? How does that relationship work? We want to explore that. How do we grow in being a base that releases ministry effectively? Part of why we planted this church eight years ago is we felt God wanted us to become a base that could release ministry to impact this community, to bless this community, and ultimately to bless outside of this community. Well, how do we grow in that in an effective way? And there's something that Nick mentioned this morning as he prayed. Understanding that true authority... Is not, doesn't come from our position, but spiritual authority is gained by influence and walking alongside people and not in the title that you hold. Pastor, elder, deacon, home group leader, dad, mum, whatever it might be. And so for me, I want to just say that there's a sense that God is taking us into a season of convergence where things are coming together and I feel that it's time to focus on the unity of the church on discipling and fathering people it's a time to see a unity of the Holy Spirit, a time to be healed of offenses and to go forward with healed hearts, that's what God wants to do he wants to converge and bring together in order that he can release that's the new, that encourages me that's what God wants to do And so I feel like in order to go forward, as we are allowing God to uproot some things, He wants us to be rooted in other things. And here I feel, as I've just had a look at what God has been saying through what has been preached and what's been happening in the meetings, here are some key things that I feel like God wants us to root further, deeper into. The first is this, that we are rooted in sonship, and we are rooted in relationship with Him. (laughs) We are rooted in sonship, and rooted in relationship with Him. God has been reminding us, encouraging us in our, in our times of worship, in our times of ministry together, that He is primarily interested in personally reviving individual people so that He can bring revival. But it starts with us as individuals. He wants to personally revive us. He wants a church that is full of life the life of God because every individual in the church is full of the life of God. And God has been speaking over and over again in the last couple of months. He wants us to be His friends. He wants us to be His sons. He wants us to be His daughters. He wants us to grow in that revelation of what Jesus has done, bought by His blood. We are secure in that, and out of that we live our lives. And it pleases Him. John fifteen fourteen, You are my friends if you do what I command. No, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you that you will love one another. The fruitfulness in our lives comes out of an intimacy and a friendship with Him, the love of our souls. Amen. And then Galatians 4, uh, verse 4, reminds us again, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoptions as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave. You are a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. God wants to root us as a, as a congregation more and more and more in the reality of that relationship with Him. Personal relationship, sonship. Son and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? He wants to root us in this. Secondly, He wants to root us in our personal calling. Root us in our calling. We looked at Jeremiah. Can I just encourage you out of some verses? Verse 4. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. I want to say to each and every one of you, God has spoken words over you. For your love. He has called you. He has called you uniquely. He has called me uniquely. I love Those images of before you were fashioned in the womb, I knew you. There's eternal destiny wrapped up in that. There's eternal security wrapped up in that. All that we need, we have. There's eternal destiny in those words. What you need for what God has called you to, He's made the kind of person, you the kind of person that you need to be in order to fulfill fulfill that. And God needed a short, bald, South African, to come to this community because he had something for me to do here. And that's why he made me who I am. With all my funny things. But that's why he made me. And the scripture says also that we have, Kath Jeneau read it in the prayer meeting this morning, we have all that we need for life and godliness. Not only physically, but because of what Jesus has done, we have all that we need for life and godliness to achieve what God has set out for us to do. Not by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Well, I think that's good news. And that's for me, is something of the new season that God wants to move move us into. into. To rest in the security of who we are, what He's called us to be. And as a leadership team, we want to uproot some of the perceptions that there might be in the church that you have to be an elder or you have to be a deacon to be a minister in this church. (laughs) There are many ways that God has gifted people. Some of you are gifted in business. Some of you are gifted in hospitality. We experienced some hospitality last night. Amazing hospitality. It's a gift. You come into some people's homes and you just feel at home. And you're so glad that you came and when you leave, you leave energized. It's a gift of hospitality. If I want to go for a good cup of coffee, I sometimes go to Starbucks, but most of the time I go to Café Ness. Why? Because there's a gift of hospitality there. And when you get there, you feel at home. And you get good coffee, but you also get something else. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Some of you are gifted in caring for others. Some in preaching. Some in serving. Some in organizing things well. And many things that I could say as I think of all of you. And when Paul talks about us as a body in two Corinthians, he reminds us that every part is necessary, and that we can't say to the toe or the ear, "I don't need you." We need each other. And what would this church look out look like without, for example, June's zeal? June refuses to tell us her age, but she's the most zealous one of the most zealous person I've met. She is always out evangelizing, telling people on the street corner about Jesus. What a wonderful thing. What about Kellen, who serves faithfully in a hospital where she works and has been able to influence people and speak to doctors and nurses and patients? Or Wayne Trevener, who's been looking for a job for months now, but still is continuing to be faithful in serving in the church in the, with the, the AV and helping to organize and facilitate that. What would the church look like without people like that? And I'm sure I could mention many other examples. We all are qualified in God's eyes, every single one of us. He is our fortress, He's our security, that what Jeremiah goes on to say, do not fear for I am with you. He's our fortress, He's our security. We have nothing to fear, His words are in our mouth. I want to encourage you this year, that part of the new is that you discover what God's called you to be, that you're secure in that. And I want to play a little DVD uh, that uh, Paul showed me at the end of the meeting, which is a wonderful expression of that, of everyone finding their place and getting on so that we can win the battle. That's what it's about. Amen? Okay. Rooted in our calling and rooted in family. That's what God wants to root us in even more this year. Rooted in family. One of the promises that God gave to us as a church years ago is found in Psalm 68, verse 5. And if you've been in this church for a while, you probably can quote it. It simply is this, that God is a father to the fatherless and a protector of widows. God settles the lonely in families. And God gave that little promise to us. And as we are rooted in Christ, as we are rooted in His blood, what He has done for us, on the cross, then we have a, this amazing privilege and joy of two of, of also being rooted in his family. Can I just remind you of some things that f- families are healthy families as we go forward? Healthy families stick together through thick and thin. <laughs> Isn't that true? Healthy families stick together through thick and thin. Healthy families, in a healthy family, you let your. Uh, Oh yes, sorry. Healthy families. In a healthy family you can be yourself and know that you can just be yourself without feeling like you have to act or play a part. You can just be yourself in a healthy family. Healthy families are honest with each other because they love each other. Healthy families work things out. Healthy families eat together. Lots. Healthy families laugh and have fun together healthy families create space for each other healthy families want to see each other succeed because one person's success means that the whole family is succeeding that's what healthy families give themselves to healthy families grow in love and courage through hard times healthy families have a dad and a mom and brothers and sisters and toddlers, and teenagers, and uncles, and aunts, and cousins, and grandpas, and grannies. That's what healthy families have. And then healthy families have special times that are family moments that nothing else crowds in on. And for me, those are the most wonderful times that I remember in terms of our family, or those unique family times. My well, friends, that's something of the new that we need to move more deeply into that we are rooted in this family. Paul says, he says, you are my joy and my crown. Isn't that a wonderful image that he speaks of, of the churches that he's fathered? He says, you are my joy and my crown. God has blessed us with this beautiful family here at Forest Town Church. And I know that he will continue to lead us from strength to strength this year. And he wants us to know so much more of what, what it means to be family. And Helen and I and the other leaders in this church have set our hearts on working with God so that this can become a healthy family and all that it, he intended it to be, that we can live in that and live in the fullness of that in this new thing that God is doing. So as I, as I finish, I'd like to show you this little DVD. Okay? And this is a story called Remember the Titans. It's, a, it's an American football story. It's set in the 1960s, and Denzel Washington plays this coach who's the first black coach to coach a football, a, a, a college football team. All right? That's the context in the 60s in America. He um, inherits this team that is disconnected with each other. There are some. Uh, white guys in the team, there's some black guys in the team, they're not seeing eye to eye, there's this disconnection, he inherits this team, and what what begins to happen over a period of time, he he takes them away, they start to get connected, they start to get into real relationship with each other, and they get to the the final of their college competition. And this scene takes place at the end of the movie, where they're playing in the final, there's a couple of minutes left to play, And they need to score a touchdown to win the game. All right? And I'm just setting the scene so that you can see. So he calls the play. The coach calls the play. And a guy comes off the bench who has not played the whole game. (laughs) He sat on the bench the whole game. And for this play, which is not one of the usual ones, the coach calls him. And you'll see what happens. But for me, there's just a couple of thrilling little scenes in this movie and I'm hoping that it's going to work is it going to work? cool so here we go this is from Remember the Titans this is from Remember the Titans (laughs) this really is from Remember the Titans there we go Son. Why are they bringing in a QB? The Titans have 75 yards to get to the end zone. Oh, my gosh. I can't watch this. I can't watch what? this now. What? Cheryl, what's wrong? No, I can't Cheryl. watch it. No, it's too bad. Not now. Cheryl! Not now. Throw it deep. Cover deep! Watch the deep pass. Cover deep! And... And... All right. congratulations coach all right thank you coach. you did a good, good job, job thank my you i know football what you did with those boys you were the right man for the job coach your hall of fame in my book. fun, isn't it? I I find that incredibly inspiring for a number of reasons. I would love to be a part of a church like that. I have to say, I would love to be a part that this church becomes something like that. You know, the favorite scene for me in that whole thing is the guy in the hospital bed. Because he's part of the team. He's been injured. He's not even playing on the day. He's not even on the field. And yet, when they score, he's like, Yes! Isn't that incredible? That should be a picture of the church. I uh, was speaking to Paul. You know, they were interviewing one of the, um, the coaches recently in the, in, the, in the NFL. And they said, what is the first player that you choose for your team? And normally, you know, the quarterback is the kind of glory boy. He's like the fly half in, uh, in rugby. Or he's like, he's, like, he's, like the, he's like the striker in football. Always scores the goals. He does all the plays. So they asked this coach, they say, who's the guy that you'll choose first? So he says, I, I don't need the term, what? The the block? Is the biggest, guy. His only job is to protect the quarterback when he's about to throw. He's got to make the tackle, the guys that are coming on the side to tackle him. That's all he does the whole game. Can you imagine that? Being the guy that all you have to do is tackle the guy that's, going to block the guys throwing the ball. That's your only task to do the whole game for however long the game is an hour. That's what you do. You tackle the guy. And you notice in that clip, when the guy's running with the ball, there's a number 12 and all he does is bash other guys out of the way so that the guy can get to the touchline. My point is simply this. Perhaps you feel like the blocker. Perhaps you feel like the guy who's making the tackles and you're not getting to make the play. You're not getting to throw the ball. Maybe you feel like you are in the hospital bed. And you feel a little bit out of it right now. But you know what? God wants a team like that. He wants a church like that. He wants us all to find our place, whether you're the blocker, whether you're quarterback, whether you're the coach, whether you sit on the bench for most of the game. When you get to make your play, you do it with all of your heart. So what? So that the team can win. That the church can go forward. And the children are cheering when the guys score. Not like, it wasn't me that didn't score. No, they cheer while the team is winning. It's a glorious picture of the church. I trust that you'll come with us this year. We want this family to grow to be like that team. That love each other. That go through thick and thin together. That are rooted in their love for Jesus and their love for each other. And that we will see something of a beautiful future unlock as God takes us forward this year. Amen? Amen? God bless you. Can I pray? Father, I want to thank you for... All that you've done in the last eight years and for all that you want to do with us as we move into this new thing that you're doing. God, help us. We cry for wisdom. Holy Spirit, we ask you. We ask you to enable us. We ask you to open our ears. We want to open our ears, but Lord, we we ask that you'd help us. We want to keep our ears to the ground. We want to grow in our relationship with you that we can be those that truly do walk into the fullness what you have. And so, Lord, I pray, as we just have so enjoyed that picture of that team, Lord, I pray that something of that would be a prophetic picture for us as a church, that we can become that as we all find our place, secure in our calling, secure in the blood of Jesus over us, and simply allow you to use us where you want to use us, however you want to use us, so that your kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven. I simply pray your blessing over these people. Thank you for every single one. Thank you for what you're doing with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming.